Master, thank you for this precious opportunity to spend some time with my brothers and sisters. Thank you for my church family. Thank you, Lord God, that we can celebrate you in this place in complete and total freedom. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to hear your word, to dissect it, and to extract from it life, joy, peace. Father, we believe that your word gives us harmony. Hallelujah. I pray, Father, that you would feed us with your word today. Let us walk out of this place feeling full and encouraged and blessed, Lord God. Anoint each and every one of us to hear your word today. Help me to share what you've given me today, Lord God, with anointing and with your power. Hallelujah. Father, help me not to get in your way. I ask you in the precious, mighty, holy, righteous, amazing, and fantastic name of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Have to be honest with you, this thing is so weird. It's going to have to take some getting used to. I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, I am looking forward to part two. Yesterday was so powerful, and we heard a great many things. If you've been around Pastor Victor a while, you've heard him say some of that stuff before, but there were a few fresh things that kind of knocked my wig back a little bit. Really enjoyed that yesterday, Pastor. Really did, and I particularly enjoyed the, uh, the gift of the books. Right, so if, if you've gone on Amazon, you know that these books are, what, 10 bucks a piece, right? Think about it. How much did we pay to be here yesterday? We easily ate 20 bucks worth of food. That was a precious and amazing gift, and I want to thank you. So really appreciate it. When I got that bag, it was an oh snap moment for me. It really was. Um, and what, you know what's funny, I, I pulled it out of my bag this morning, and I pulled them out of the, the plastic bag, and I set them on the table, and Anthony ran up to the kitchen table, and he snatched it up and said, thank you. <laughs> he, he grabbed the new one. He's like, I've seen the other one. Leave the yellow one. I'll take the brand new one. Well, praise the Lord, church. Um, I wonder if you would take a moment to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Book of Luke, chapter 1. Um, and uh, today I'm going to offend a few of you, uh, but praise the Lord. Um, it's, it's okay to get offended in church a little bit once in a while. It's, it's part of being built up to maturity in the Holy Spirit. I may challenge you in some ways that you don't want to be challenged. But don't worry about it. I remember back in the days when I was in high school and I would cut school. Children don't do that. And they would lock the fence, right? And uh, I would simply climb over the fence. And over in Stevenson, the, the fences are about 20, 30 feet high. And I saw it and I, I acknowledged that a fence is something to climb over and get over. So today I want you to get over the fence, the offense. Amen? You have the book of Luke chapter 1? Yeah. All right, keep your finger in it. We're going to get to that. What I'm going to talk about 
requires a bit of a foundation. I'm going to give you guys just a few moments of an explanation to kind of set the appropriate context for my message today. And I felt particularly super spiritual, so I bought the biggest laptop I could find. Um, Friday night, I was, uh, I spoke about, uh, my message was entitled, That Ain't No Baby, Baby. And uh, what I talked about was the God of the Old Testament and all of the sobering, uh, mighty acts that he did. Uh, sometimes they were good, sometimes they were bad. Right? At one point, he was vexed with every person on the planet because they were exceedingly wicked, and he wiped it clean of all of them. And then at another time, he helped the children of Israel walk through the Red Sea, preserving them uh, and, and delivering them from the hand of Pharaoh, delivering the entire nation to the promised land, fulfilling his promise. And I kind of wound up getting to the place where we encountered that very same God of the Old Testament in the form of a little baby in a manger. And I expressed how that was the almighty God wrapped up in a little baby's flesh. And as I was searching for, you know, the scriptures for that particular thing, I came across another thing in Luke that made me think. Um, but the foundation, are you ready? Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay awake. Stay awake. After the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, mankind's struggle with God was tumultuous. Filled with high points and low points. Our sick and twisted nature brought us to the point where God was so tired of our heinous perversions that he decided to wipe the world clean of us and start all over. Uh, later, he would find, we would find God delivering his, cho his chosen, right? That was a high point. Eventually, his chosen find himself, themselves in a seemingly endless cycle of being captured and enslaved by enemy nations. And then delivered by God over and over again. They would rebel against God. He would remove his hand of protection and blessing. They would repent. He would deliver them. Right? Then they would rebel against God. He would remove his hand of protection and blessing. They would repent. And he would deliver them. Amen. Then what happened? They would rebel against God. He would remove his hand of protection and blessing. They would repent. Then what would he do? Talk about a merry-go-round. You ever been on a merry-go-round? I, uh, during the, uh, the encounter, I expressed how sometimes we can find ourselves on a merry-go-round and Satan is sitting in the middle at the controller <laughs> watching us, waving as we go round and round in a cycle of sin deprivation. But through it all, you find a consistent thread of deliverance promised. Not just for the Israelites, but for all people. Can I get an amen? amen. See, because it was never God's intention for just the Israelites to be saved, to be delivered. In fact, the very first promise we find in the book of Genesis chapter 3, the first prophecy, the first promise that God gave regarding the Savior, he said, God told the servant, Genesis 3, 14, he said, God, God told the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed, cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals, cursed to slink on your belly 
and eat dirt all of your life. By the way, I'm reading the message Bible. Big step. But I still got a problem with it because I found a flaw. I'll tell you about it later. All right. <clears throat> then God says, I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head and you'll wound his heel. Right, this is the first prophecy. Right? The seed of the woman was mankind, and eventually mankind, God wrapped up in flesh, was able to wound Satan's head right? and ultimately bring forth our deliverance. This was the declaration from God who knows the end from the beginning. The very first prophecy, he already had a plan mapped out before he established the creation of the world, the universe, and even time itself. We find the evidence of that plan all throughout the Old Testament scriptures in the form of types and shadows. Everybody say types, types and, shadows. and shadows. We had a type in the Old Testament. Somebody mentioned him earlier. I'm not feeling too hot, so please excuse me if I snort and try to get... I can't pull the mic away from my face or you're going to hear everything. I'm so sorry. I'm just going to give you one type. Everybody say Isaac. Isaac. Isaac was a type of Christ. So the Jews was, were able to find a type of Christ all throughout the Old Testament. Right? Both Isaac and Christ were children of promise. You can find that Genesis 15, Isaiah 7. The birth of both was pre-announced. Genesis 18, Luke 1. Uh, both were named before their birth. The birth of both was contrary to nature. Sarah was barren. Mary was a virgin. Uh, both are called an only son. That's where I found the flaw in the message. The message says, take your dear son. All the other versions say, take your only son. It's very interesting, right? Both were called the only son. Both, mocked, both were mocked and persecuted by their own kindred. Neither Isaac nor Christ had broken the law. That they, would sh that they should be offered up. As Isaac carried the wood on which he was to die, so Christ carried his own cross. As Isaac went willing to the altar, so Christ went willingly to the cross. Both given up or forsaken by his father. Both rose from the place of death and resurrection. Now the scriptures would be carefully searched and mulled over by the Jews, by the Hebrews, the Israelites. You would think that they would know about this coming Messiah, this coming King of glory. Can I get an amen? amen? If you had been reading this for thousands of years, you would have some form of inclination. You, you would be able to understand when he showed up on the scene. Can I get an amen? amen? You would live in expectation on a regular basis. The people of God yearning for the promised Messiah, looking for his arrival to fulfill God's promise to restore mankind. Then after a 400 year period of silence. The heavens were quiet 400 years. 
I would do the cricket noise. I don't think it would come up very well. My mouth is really dry. You held the space of Luke chapter 1, I hope. Yes. Please open to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read starting in verse 5. This message is actually called Shut Your Mouth. <laughs> shut Your Mouth. Or you could say if you, were, if you were brought up in the Bronx, Shut Your Mouth. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. During the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest assigned service in the regiment of Abijah. His name was Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Together, they lived honorably before God. Everybody say honorably. honorably. Um, careful in keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. But... They were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive, and now they were quite old. Mm. Hallelujah. So it happened that as Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment, it came his one turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of the incense offering. It's very interesting to understand at that time um, to have that honor to light the incense was a really big deal. So you were essentially in the holy place, not the holy of holies, but you were burning incense unto God. So you could imagine the amount of pressure, excitement, but at the same time, the amount of uh, sobering seriousness with which he was doing this task. Um, it says, unannounced, we're going to continue reading, unannounced, an angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was paralyzed with fear as would any of us be in the presence of an angel. We would be struck with terror, absolute terror. 13, but the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son by you. You are to name him John. Everybody say John. John. Or you can call him Juan. Or Juanito. You're going to leap like a gazelle for joy. And not only you, thank you, sir, many will delight in his birth. He'll achieve great stature with God. He'll drink neither wine nor beer. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment he leaves his womb. He will turn many sons and daughters of Israel back to their God. He will herald God's arrival in the style and strength of Elijah. Woo. Soften the hearts of parents to children <clears throat> and kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He'll get the people ready for God. Mm. Here it is. Now this guy, Zechariah, he was no slouch in the word of God. In order to become a priest in that day, you had to spend something like 28 years preparing. 
memorizing scripture, understanding the ordinances of the temple. If anybody understood what was going on, it would have been him. You would think spending 28 years preparing, preparing, getting ready, getting ready for what? To serve God, to be prepared for the coming Messiah. You think he would know about it. Tell me something. In the presence of that angel, hearing that message, having lived your entire life, preparing yourself to encounter Messiah, what would your reaction be? What would you say? What would you do? Think about it for a second. You think he knew what that meant? It meant that he was going to have a son who was going to be the forerunner of Messiah. I'm sure he knew the prophecy well enough to understand what it really meant. Can I get an amen? Amen. What do you think he did? Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is an old woman. Okay, so I, I don't think I, I could understand what, what Gabriel maybe did, but if I was standing there, I could imagine his reaction being something like, Remember, Gabriel is in the throne room of God. He sees all of this taking place. He understands the amazing things that God has done to prepare for this very thing. And he explains to this man it's about to take place. God's plan is about to unfold, and you're a part of it. In fact, he was the first guy that he told. And his reaction... How could I believe this? Are you kidding me? What? I'm an old man. My wife is old. A little anticlimactic? Just a little bit? God finally re reveals the beginning of his miraculous plan of redemption. And he says, do you expect me to believe this? Could you believe the moment all of Israel had been waiting for was finally, has finally arrived, God's plan is met with disbelief. A lack of faith. We heard somebody uh, quote the scripture, without faith it is impossible to please God. You know what makes God happy? Faith. You know what started this whole thing? Abraham. Faith. It's all about faith. And Gabriel shows up, and there's no faith, right? God reveals it, and, and I would say the equivalent in today's vernacular would, vernacular would be him saying something like, yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. Can I ask you a question? Tell me how many times we've responded in the same manner when we hear what God's plans are for us. Yesterday, I sat here in the sanctuary and listened to such a powerful word delivered by our pastor. He talked about how the Lord wanted us to write songs, uh, to write books, 
to preach sermons and to reach the lost for Christ and his kingdom. Right? How many of us were here? I wasn't the only one that heard that, right? Okay. And it's almost, when I looked around, it was almost like I could see thought bubbles above many heads that popped up and said, mm, that sounds great, but that ain't me. I told you I was going to offend you. Right? So many of us were sitting here, and when he said those things, you said, yeah! Yeah, pastor, that's right. That's awesome. That's for him and not me. Wow. Wow. Why would that be? How many times have you sat here and heard a word from the pulpit that shook you to your core and at the very moment pushed you to the point where you were ready to take action, action, and when you got out to the street, by the time you made it out after service, it went from that ear to that ear and went into oblivion like a flatulation. Total dissipation. Gone. You either forgot or dismissed. In both cases, it's a shame. How do you think that feels? How do you think the Almighty feels on those occasions? Here's the reality. You ready? God has created his plan for you before the foundation of the earth was even laid. He created you for this season, for this generation, and for this particular moment in history. His story. He gives you the plan and the marching orders and you're so caught up in yourself. I'm sorry. I'm going to say that one more time. He gives you the plan and the marching orders and you're so caught up in yourself, caught up in what you think you can and cannot do that you dismiss his plan altogether, thinking it's meant for somebody else. Tell me what God can't do. I said on Friday that God exists outside of time and space. Yes. Right? He created time for us. He put the sun and the moon and said it's going to be for time and hours and days and for signs and seasons. He created the universe with the words of his mouth. What can't he do? That's right. I'll tell you what he can't do. He can't force you to have faith. He can't force you to believe that what he said will take place. He can't force you to do it. That's got to come from you. Can I get an amen? amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's making me uncomfortable.
You could be sitting in a congregation hearing God's word and plan for you, and the enemy will come alongside you and whisper, that ain't you. And you immediately repeat the same. Yeah, that's right. I said that. It's not completely your fault. It's not totally on you. Right? How many of us know that sometimes those God-resistant thoughts originated somewhere else from someone else? Yes. That's right. That's right. True. Now, I want to be careful, though, because we can't blame everything on the devil. Right? We have to acknowledge that we suck. Right? We as human beings suck. You read the history, you have to acknowledge that we blow it consistently. Time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. But there is an element, there is a spiritual element that we have to make sure that we're acknowledging. Right? So like I said, it's not all your fault. It's not completely on you. You can be sitting at church and hear that word come forth and you'll say, yeah, that's such an encouraging thought. And one of Satan's minions will come alongside and say, that's not for you. And then you'll say, that's not for me. Like a mind control. You know what that's called? That's called a stronghold. And that thing gets built up in your mind over time. And you start believing that stuff. Instead of believing God. Instead of, instead of believing what the man of God is telling you, that God has directly given to him for us. Do you think he would invest so much time in studying and prayer and then preach a message that would encourage us and tell us what God's plan is for our lives just to be wasted time? Or, do you, or that he would be tricking you or he's just kind of feeding you what you want to hear? No. He, he's the vessel of God giving us our marching orders. Do you really believe that? Yes. If you don't believe it, why are you here? And if you do believe it and you don't do what God is asking you to do, then that would be rebellion. You're, you're actively rebelling against God's desire for your life. You know what the Bible says about rebellion? It's just like witchcraft. And you know what witchcraft is? Witchcraft is an abomination. And was something that is dealt with severely in our Old Testament scripture. You know what, you know what God did to people that rebelled against the men of God in the Old Testament? It was a situation where Aaron and Moses were being rebelled against by a certain group of people. And God gave Moses a few commands, told him to come out in the morning. Set these people apart. These are the particular people. Everybody just stand back. Stand back. And God literally opened up the earth and the earth swallowed them completely. And then God closed the hole and they were gone. Now, that's not going to happen to you. Carmen says maybe. Spiritually. Not physically, but spiritually. I can agree. You get an A-hey from me. <laughs> Rebellion. 
Who's rebelling here? Don't raise your hand. Don't say a word. It's rhetorical. Please. And because you don't even realize you're in a fight with an enemy you can't see, you have a stronghold in your mind stuck in a loop of disbelief. We're at the end of 2019. We're coming upon a brand spanking new year, 2020. In the next few weeks, we're going to be here some solid preaching. Uh, the Lord is going to be giving us some direction, some wisdom, some strategy. I, I feel like Pastor Victor's even probably got like some kind of a series coming. I don't know. What are we going to do when we hear the word of the Lord for our lives? What are we going to say? Are we going to respond like Zechariah? Left my Bible and I didn't attach the verses. Stay right there. Don't move. are so gracious. You guys are so nice. Glory to God. I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Start reading at verse 3. Now you have to understand this entire thing, our experience at church, our experience at hearing the will of God, our experience of deciding whether or not we're going to follow through with what his will is for us, it all starts and ends. I want you to take your pointer finger and I want you to point right here. Right there. The whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle, the whole shebang starts and ends right here. Whether or not you follow the will of God for your life, whether or not you choose to take his commission seriously. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, for, we, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the, what's that word? Knowledge of, Knowledge of God. Bringing every, what's that word? Thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Your weapons of warfare are yours for pushing back the enemy, pushing back the forces of darkness that can get into your head and get you stuck in a loop of disbelief. If you are not praying, that's one of your weapons of warfare. If you are not reading the word of God and studying it, that's another one of your weapons of warfare. If you are not practicing righteousness, that's another weapon of warfare. If you're not doing those things, the enemy will get in your head and stay in your head and deflect every command that God has for you. 
He'll get you saying what he says instead of you saying what God says. Can I get an amen? amen. Who wants to get off the, the merry-go-round? Who wants to get out of that loop? Again, you don't have to accept every thought that pops into your head. You can physically say, you can literally say out loud, I rebuke you. Stay out of my head. You don't belong there. And then if you have a couple of scriptures in your back pocket that you memorized back in Sunday school, back in 1974. I'll leave that alone. You can rebuke the enemy with the word just the way the Lord did it. And he will have to go. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we need to stop those strongholds from being built in our minds. They are thoughts. They are arguments. It's a conversation in your head that is coming against the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the will of God, the knowledge of the things of God, the knowledge of the purpose and will for your life according to God. He'll drag you away and not even kicking and screaming. Because all along, you'll think all of that stuff came from you. Is that not devious? Is that not dastardly? Is that not disgusting? How many descriptive words can I find with D to appropriately? The enemy will try to distract you this year. Right? And I know, you know, we always have these, I'm going to get rid of my gut. For the guys, the girls, I'm going to get rid of my butt. Uh, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to increase my salary. I'm going to get a better job. What are those called? Resolutions. Resolutions. The first resolution we should have as Christians is to decide whether or not we're going to do what God has called us to do. That is ground zero. Everything else is inconsequential. Everything else is fluff and nonsense compared to that thing. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Am I talking truth? Yes. Are you hurting a little bit? Yes. All right. All right. Turn to your neighbor, rub their shoulder and say, I can be. Here's one tip, and you can write this down. Here's one tip. You can write this down. <coughs> Excuse me. Be careful to accept God's answer when you pray for his will. I got a little testimony for you. Earlier this week, two weeks ago, I went on an interview to be a handyman. So I'm trying to become a super, right? Uh, that's the goal. I'm a handyman, I mean, I'm a uh, doorman now. I never wanted to be a doorman, but I got into this job because it had the union, because I wanted to go to school, because I wanted to become a super. Okay, so I've been interviewing for jobs as a super. It's not working out. They're saying that you don't have the uh, experience. So I tried for this handyman position that was like right next door to my building, and it was going to be great, because then I'd go next door, work as a handyman for, for years, get the experience, and then come back to be the super of my building after he retires. 
right? Stubborn old man. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. We'll come back to that another time. So the first Wednesday, I went to the first um, interview. And so I actually knew one of the board members from the building. He actually became a friend of mine. And I became uh, in tight with the super of that building. So they had both simultaneously handed in my resume to the board president. So things are looking great. I'm like, dude, I'm in. This is it. I'm going. I'll take this gig for like a year or two, and then I can move on to become a super or come back to the building where the stubborn super is, and maybe he'll retire by then. So I go that first um, interview, and the building manager and the guy that owns the company are sitting there, and they're loving me. Like, I'm feeling it. Like, I'm sitting there. I almost feel like I'm emanating, like, swag. Right? And I felt like they were loving every, I had an answer for everything they asked. And it just sounded like, like I was singing a Bee Gees song. You know, ha, 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 staying alive. That's what it felt like. I felt like John Travolta walking with the white suit and the collars pulled out. All right, stop it. Knock it off. Getting so worldly. So the building manager tells me, okay, great. So, you know, um, we realized that the board member and the super both inquired about you, and there's only one other guy who's going to be interviewed. This time around, we're only going to consider two, yourself and this other guy. I'm thinking... This is it. All right. Was it that Sunday? <clears throat> the Sunday following that day, we came to prayer here at 8 in the morning on Sunday. And I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, it looks great. Or was it the Sunday before? I can't remember. Sunday after? Okay. So I said, Lord, this looks great. But you know what? If it ain't for me, put the brakes on it. Stop it. If it's, if, I'm, if it's not going to be for me and my family, just hold the whole thing up. Stop it. Make it impossible were my exact words. Make it impossible for me to get this job. If I'm not supposed to be there, just take away the grace. Make it all fall apart. All right. But then on the adverse, I said, if this is it, let that door swing wide open. You know, let me walk through it. Let me take this job and let this be the best thing ever. Okay. So she was very specific. And I'm not a dummy. If I hear you say something, I got it. She said to me, come next Wednesday and you'll meet with the board and then you will have that interview and blah, 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 blah. Great. So Wednesday comes. All right. I called, I leave work at four. <coughs> I called the receptionist of the company and I said, I have an interview this evening with so-and-so and that board from this building. She said, okay, uh, let me take a look and see what time that is. Hold on a moment. Puts the phone down, walks away. I assume that she went to the building manager said my name, said something about the interview, and got a time. She came back and she said, okay, it's at 6.15, but if you want, you can be here at 6. Awesome, I'll be there. I get there at 6. All right, the place is kind of cleared out, but I can hear 
the building manager and a couple of board members in one of the rooms. So I'm just kind of just staying back. I don't want to. I don't want to intrude. Knock on the door. I was like, oh, can you just go wait a minute? You know, I don't want to be that guy. So I sit in the lobby. I had bought a uh, guitar player magazine, and I'm flipping through it. And so because I love guitars and all things guitars, I get absorbed in the magazine. An hour goes by. Hey. So I sent her an email because I don't have her uh, mobile number. If I call the number that I had, it's only going to ring it at the front desk and there's nobody there. Sent her an email. Hey, just want to remind you that I'm here. You know, just whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Another half hour goes by. Nothing. So I go over and I knock on the door. And I say, hi, guys. Uh, just want to make sure that you're aware that I'm here in the lobby waiting. And she looks at me and she goes, why are you here? And I said, oh, uh, you told me last week to be here because we were meeting with the board and this was an interview. No, I didn't. I told you that you would have to wait for my call, that we would review your information and you would, I would have to you know, let you know when to come in. Okay. But I called your receptionist at 4 and told her my name, told her that I had an interview. She said, hold on, went and spoke to you, came back, and said, be here at six. And she went, she had like that glitch moment, right? And she didn't even address what I had just said. She said, no, I think you're mistaken. I think you misunderstood what I said. And so, you know, you're going to have to wait for my call. And I said, okay, no problem. Sorry about that. Have a lovely evening, folks. And I walked away. Pastor Mingo, I walked away. I have to admit to you, I was hot. I was very upset. I guarantee you there was steam rising from my body from my ears. I was very upset. Here we go. I'm sitting there for that long. But besides that, she made me look like a moron. Right? Because she didn't even acknowledge that her receptionist messed up. So she kind of took me, very quietly placed me into the bus, got in the bus and went. I was hot. I was very upset. I even called Belinda afterwards. I was like, baby, I'm so mad. I'm screwed in the middle of the street. I'm going to punch somebody in the face. Get on the train. Come home now. I miss my daughter's. My daughter had a concert that she was singing at that night that I really wanted to be at. And I missed it for this. I promise that's what I sounded like on the phone. Incoherent and stupid, babbling. So I get on the train and I'm just seething, sitting there. And like I even have to open up my coat because I'm so sweaty because I'm hot, like I'm so upset. I'm on fire, like literally. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I realized, you big dummy, you should be rejoicing. This is what I prayed for.
and me like Captain Doofus on the sixth train, all upset, forgot that I had prayed for the Lord to close the door. And I got an email the very next day saying, you know what, we're going to look for somebody with a little more experience. Check back with us next year. I said, sure! Wait for that phone call. Learn to, learn to accept the answers to your prayers in 2020. Because God may say no to some stuff because you could get sidetracked with the things you want to do and not do the things that you have to do for the kingdom that God has prescribed for you. You can wind up at the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing and God is saying, what are you doing over there? It's not where you belong. I created you for this. This is what you'd be most effective for. And we want to be where we will be effective for the kingdom. For almighty God. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the enemy will try to distract you this year. Desire God's will above your own. That's the point I was making. Desire his will above your own. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's the last point I want to make. Don't sabotage yourself with your own words. Amen. Going back to Zechariah. Zechariah said, how am I supposed to believe this? Are you kidding me? Right? Let's go back to Zechariah. I mean, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1. Start at verse 57. Now, Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. Why? That's what the angel Gabriel told Zacharias to call her. Right? But they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who was called by this name. So you know what they're saying? They're saying, ain't nobody called John up in this piece. What are you hiding? Something wrong. Don't even ask. That's between me and Johnny. So they made signs to his father. Oh, man, I left out an important piece. Forgive me. What happened when the angel told him this? Um, hold on a sec. Verse 19. Thank you. Okay, so Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Here's what Gabriel said. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. 
and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings, dummy. <laughs> but behold, you will be mute yes. and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Gabriel said, shut your mouth. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. I'm going to say that one more time. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Amen. Um, and so right after, Elizabeth conceived just as the angel said. Now for nine months or more, Zechariah could not say a word. Why do you think that is? It's dangerous. Got to shut you up. You might blow something. You might mess this up. You might cause others to lose faith and be faithless as you are. A faithless mouth, a faithless conversation for those who serve the Lord can be a very dangerous thing. Zechariah was a priest. The Bible tells us we are kings and priests. Do we need to watch what we say? Yes. Because of the Seriousness, the sobriety, the, the incredible miracle that was about to take place, I believe that the angel had to shut him up so that he couldn't say anything else negative. Need to keep that stuff at bay. Need to hold that stuff back. We find evidences of it in other places where Jesus and Peter, right? Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to get crucified. I'm going to be taken away from you. I'm going to... I'm going to stand before the judge, and they're going to put me up on a cross. And Jesus said, not so, Lord. And the Lord said, get thee behind. Peter said, sorry, I'm tired. Man. Not feeling good. Peter said, not so, Lord. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He wasn't talking to Peter. Which further shows you that that conversation that is going on in your head isn't always yours. Be careful not to repeat that stuff. Amen. Say what this says. Can I get an amen? Can you lift up your Bible? Say what this says. Don't say what this produces. This produces wickedness. This heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? That's what the Bible says about our heart. Be careful to say what the word of God says. Be careful to say what God has told you. Not, it doesn't matter what you think. Fast forward. Birth of John the Baptist. So it was on the eighth, eighth day. Right? But they said to her, verse 61, sorry. But they said to her, Luke 1, 61, There is no one among your relatives who is called by his name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet. Because again, he can't talk. 
and wrote, saying, his name is John. Now, it's easy to be a man and be all prideful and say, that's my baby boy. Look, even I called my son Anthony, right? But no, he chose to call his son what God told him to call his son. And because he, became, because he came into agreement with God and was now saying what God was saying, I believe God was in heaven watching this and saying, oh, I think he gets it now. Let's read. So they all marveled, and immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately. his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. I believe he said, I'm going to do what I should have did in the first place. Amen. He spoke, praising God, then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And then Zechariah gave a prophecy after that. God used him to give him a prophecy. Because he finally came into alignment and said what God said instead of, instead of what came from his heart, instead of what was produced from his fear. Instead of was produced from his thought life concerning his limitations and his wife's limitations. If we're like Zachariah, and I believe that we are, we need to stop all that mess. Don't worry about what limitations you have. There's a, a, a phrase you used yesterday, paralysis by analysis. Man, that is so powerful. I know people who are locked up that way. Can't do nothing. You got to measure every angle, every... Listen, not everything is going to be absolutely perfect ever. It's never going to be perfect. Only God can be perfect. Right? When he sets it up, he lines it up just right. But you are never going to be perfect. Can I get an amen? amen? Everybody stand to your feet. Everybody say 2020. 2020. I want you to repeat after me. I'm going to stop fighting God. I'm going to activate his will for my life. His will for my life. I'm going to get up off my butt. Get off my butt. And fulfill his expectation. And fulfill his expectation. And do it the way he says. And do it the way he says. And I will shut my mouth. I will shut my mouth. When the things that come from my heart and my mind. When the things that come from my heart and my mind. Are in conflict with the word of God. Amen. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for Zachariah and his experience so that we can read it today, so that we can gain from that experience the powerful truth 
of being able to come into alignment with your word and say what you say rather than speak out of fear. Heavenly Father, we don't want to rebel against you. We don't want to resist you in the year 2020. But we want to flow in harmony and walk in harmony with you. So Heavenly Father, as we hear your word preached over this pulpit, as we hear your word spoken to our hearts when we pray and read it, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to submit. Submit to your will. Submit to your process. Submit to your power. Glory to God. Help us, Lord God, to overcome our own fears. Help us, Lord God, to overcome what we think are the challenges that can keep us from fulfilling your will. Help us to take a step out in faith and prove who you are rather than trying to prove who we are. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Ministers, would you come forward? My brothers, my sisters, if I've said anything today that pierced your heart and made you feel like you're challenged and made you feel like you want to come up and you want to spend a little bit of time in prayer, or if it's your first time being in this kind of environment and you feel like Maybe something's going on in your heart and God is pulling you toward himself. Please come up and get prayed for. We're not here to judge you. Without Jesus, we're all rotten too. But feel free to come forward and get prayed for. Don't be afraid. Don't be inhibited by thinking that somebody's watching you or going to judge you, please come forward. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for the eternal truth of your word. Anoint us, Lord God. Touch our minds and our hearts and help us to get over ourselves so that we can move and flow in your power, in your word, in your desire, in your will, in your precepts, Lord. to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, most high. Glory to God in the highest. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. you need to leave, feel free to go. I would just ask that you remain respectful of what's happening here at the altar. 
pray that your anointing would be upon us here as we leave. Help us to not forget what we've learned, what we've heard. I pray that the seed that we receive from you today, Lord God, would be planted deep in our hearts. And that the fruit of it would yield eternal joy. Pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless us as we go home. We pray that you would keep us, Lord. The church said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
the Lord, church. Let us just close out in prayer, amen, and be dismissed from the service today, amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence, my God, that has been in this place, Lord. We thank you that your presence, my God, will continue to be with us as we exit this place today, my God. And I pray traveling mercies for all those, my God, here today. And I pray, my God, that as the week unfolds, Lord, we would meditate on your word, Lord, and meditate on that which you have spoken to us today, oh God. Lord, that seed that was planted into our hearts, Lord, I pray that you would allow it and help it to mature, oh God. Lord, and that, my God, the new levels that you are taking us into, I pray that you would help us to prepare ourselves in the spirit area, oh God, for you will do the rest, Lord. But help us to believe and help us, my God, to just seek your face, oh God, like we have never sought before, Lord, that we would seek you more closely, more deeply, my God, and with more consistency, Lord. I thank you, my God, for the word you delivered into our hearts today, my God and Savior. I pray, oh God, that you would continue to help us through the week to keep our mind and our eyes focused on you, Lord. And as we leave this place, Lord, that you would take us each to our homes, um, our own destination safely, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.